Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. And blessings. And welcome to another installment of the Gist of Freedom Estate. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author, Leslie Gist and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who, with faith and focus, are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347 324 Hello, this is Leslie Gist, and tonight we have a special guest, Mr. Bill Allen. He is a world-renowned photographer. Uh, We will be saying farewell to President Obama because today is October 30th, uh, 2016. Uh, We're coming close to the end of his uh, presidential um, presidency. And we just want to say farewell to the president through photographs taken by Bill Allen. Mr. Allen, are you on the line? Yes, I am, Leslie. Great. Can you give us a more formal um, introduction of yourself, your contact information, your website, and things of that nature? At this point, I don't have a website because of non-compete. Things, okay. but I have a Facebook page, and I can be reached at um, 305-378-1719. Uh, my business is Perception Photography, Perception Media. Okay, and you work for, you you uh, you have a lot of impressive clients. Could you just run down a few of them? I work for... ESPN the magazine, Time, um, Ebony and Jet, um, the Miami Herald, uh, Black Press, the West Side Gazette, um, various other internet uh, businesses. So it's a long list. Right. Okay. And um, you can learn more about Bill on Block Talk Radio, of course, the Gist of Freedom, and on iTunes, www.blackhistoryuniversity. Okay, let's start off with the interview. Um, You know, a lot of us are saddened by the departure of our president, and um, I asked you to send me a few pictures that you've taken of him, which uh, would make us feel a little bit more melancholy, I guess. And can you just describe one of your favorite pictures or the one that strikes you the most as most memorable, even if you didn't take it? I think the most memorable photographs is when um, I like candid or ad-lib pictures, and I think he's more ad-libbed or or candid when he's with his wife and where it's not a posed picture moment or with his children 
or with even with someone else's children, where you get to see um, probably his strength and his tenderness too. Mm-hmm. Any pictures? Um, I asked the same question of some of my co-producers and hosts from different radio shows, and one gentleman said that he liked the picture of him in the war room when he was watching the capture of Bin Laden. As a photographer, is that a historic shot, and could you just, you know, expand on that image? I think um, it is a powerful shot, um, and people know the context of it, you know, when you see military people around them. But I think it's it's something where you have to know what is going on or, or know the history surrounding it. Just like there are other pictures of presidents, you know, uh, ordering troops or, or things or ordering an attack or something where those are powerful images, but like I said, you have to know the context of it. And just seeing that picture alone without knowing it, it just shows, you know, the the concern and distress in his face, but it, like I said, you still need to know the background of the picture. That's why I like more or less candid pictures where you don't have to really know what's going on. You can just see, you know, you can just understand that, you know, the feeling behind it. Mm-hmm. Well, one of my favorite um, images, and he wasn't the president at the time, he's in the basement in his office. He just was recently elected as congressman, and he mm-hmm. gave him an office in the basement, and he has his feet up on the desk. And you can see the sole of his of his shoes, and they mm-hmm. have holes in them. They're worn down, and the office is empty. And I thought, are you familiar with that shot? I'm familiar with that. It's when he was. Uh, I think that was a shot where he first his first attempt where he ran for Congress, and he mm-hmm. lost. And it showed. Um, probably he didn't know that his shoe had had that hole in it, but it was just, it was sort of like a relief, relief picture, you know, where, I, you know, whatever happens, happens, I'm comfortable, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, I'm glad it's over, or I'm glad I accomplished this, or, you know, it was, it was again one of those candid moments where, like, say, you don't have to really know the context of it, but later on when you look at it historically, it's like, he has put in the work, or he's come right. from... exactly. Right, and uh, he did win. Um, the caption says that this was in he was um, as a first time or the newest member. They didn't have an office for him, so they gave him a temporary office mm-hmm. in the basement. And in the Rayburn building, yeah, yeah, down down. I went looking for that office, and I just missed it. I was in a rush, and I couldn't really find this. I was very disappointed, but I would like to take a picture of that um, room where he was first, um, uh, you know, sent to, you know, in the basement. I thought that was that shows some humility. Mm-hmm. Another image. Well, they, um, I think they don't put Congressman in that basement anymore because they have a new congressional building, but that was prior to the offices being opened in the new building. So do you think that office is still there, that we could take a picture of it? 
I think probably it's a storage room now because they have uh, two congressional buildings now instead of one. And used to be you'd be seniority, you'd be in the main building and you'd be in the annex building and depending on seniority, you'd be at the top or you'd have to be at the bottom. But it would be probably, you'd probably go in there probably be filing or it might be used as a storage thing. It might not be even used at all right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, another image of him when he was very young, and he was uh, uh, an organizer. He's walking down the street with petitions with the elderly woman. You can see that he's trying to convince her to sign. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought that was very powerful because it showed you how his shoes, you know, ended up being so holy because he was really out there as a foot soldier um, doing the work, putting the work in. And um, what was the first picture that you took of him? you remember the call, you know, the circumstances surrounding? Mm -hmm. I think probably one of the first pictures was um, when he's running for president. I think he was traveling then. It was in Miami or New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And who um who gave you the assignment, if you remember? I think it was um I think it might have been the, the Miami Herald then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So were you how did you feel? Did you feel excited about it? You know, this is a a, a man that you can identify via race? No. I, what I think you know probably the first meeting, it was like, yes, um, I'd seen black men run for president before with Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson. You know, um, again, when you meet him, he is very slender, mm-hmm. he's articulate, you know, um, and then he, like I said, he obviously had dark hair. He was very youthful looking then compared to um, John, Ed- John Edwards, which was. He was more middle-aged man. He seemed like the youngest person there compared to Hillary Clinton. You know, she wasn't, you know, particularly, you know, uh, an older-looking woman, but she was a mature-looking woman. He seemed like the young black kid who was trying to to buck the system or less. You know, so that's mm-hmm. probably why a lot of people took him seriously, but a lot of people had to, he had to gain the respect and, and their attention more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the most difficult shot that you got of the president, but was the most rewarding? I probably, I probably have to say the the last one is because all the pictures with the president or things like that are like they're like access. You know, everyone doesn't get to be around the president. Everyone doesn't get to be invited to the White House or, you know, on at the White House at certain times when he's there. So it is where you have to, it's like anything else, you have to be at the right place, the right time, and catch the right moment. So it seems like every picture of not only of him, but any subject I take is probably my best one because you're competing against yourself. 
and usually against everyone else because you may be in a crowded roof line or a compact area. So you're trying to get something that's unique, but everyone's there and they're trying to get something unique. So. Mm-hmm. And which which picture was the most unique picture in your collection of the president? I think any time he's like that, anytime he's interacting with with people, you know, I see politicians where they 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 are comfortable doing it and where they aren't. You know, at certain times he is more comfortable with with people that he knows, but mm-hmm. he is more genuine when he's meeting people that have suffered, you know, like, or taken on a loss, like when he, when he okay, met. Okay, give us uh, an exact, people. can you be more specific of which picture you're talking about that you took of him? I think probably when he met the the little girl in Flint, Michigan, when he met her, her enthusiasm was, was overwhelming, even though, like I said, she had been poisoned by by the stage and that she has to go through all these tests. Her energy, her excitement seeing him, you know, brought up excitement for him. And that's something that you can't you can't recreate. You can't make someone like you or be excited to see you. And he still has that with people where where they're still excited to see him. That's why um even people who don't want to like him they're going to be sad to see him gone because he is, he's been both intellectually competent, um, compassionately competent, and and he's been a president, no matter what you try to throw at him, that you're proud of. You're proud that he's your president. Wow. And what about the little lady, the centurion, that visited the White House? Um and she started to dance. I think that is that is just something like I said. That that's something where you you can't you can't buy that. You can't tell people to act that way. That was something where it was just genuine. You know, imagine that. Like I said, we all come from a a generation where we are like um, grandparents or great grandparents can recall slavery, and this woman in a hundred years old. Probably could recall sharecropper days. She could mm. probably recall where she couldn't walk in certain areas in Washington D.C. or could only look at the White House ground. But to be invited in there and have this man that looks like her as her president, it was just something where she was just overwhelmed. Mhm. And then there's another shot of um, a little boy wanting to touch the president's head, his hair, because they had similar hair. Right. Again, a role model, someone that looks like me, is the the president of the United States. You know, he doesn't understand everything that's going on, but his parents are someone that's instilled into him that this man is important, you know. He may not realize everything that's going on you know, right now in his young age, but later on, someone shows him this picture. It is going to be over, even a, more overwhelming for him when, when he's more mature. Mm-hmm. Um, any other pictures 
you know, that was a very powerful story that you talked about, the Flint, Michigan um, little girl. And uh, if you feel like it, I know you're not a politician. You may not want to go into details. If you want to give the backstory of, you know, I think you said enough that Flint, Michigan's water was poisoned and she was a victim and went through a lot of tests. And yes. how did she gain access to the president? Did he seek her out or? Um, it was something where this was the height of where everyone was covering Flint, Michigan. And mm-hmm. um, it was pointing the blame. The, the governor was saying it was the EPA. And this mother, you know, written the governor and she had getting, gotten blown off. So the child and her wrote the president. And said, you know, yes, we're happy you sent the inspectors. We're happy that people are helping, you know, but please can you come out or come here to see us? And he wrote back. And because of scheduling, he wasn't able to come when a time when he sent uh, other individuals to to Flint, Michigan. But then he wrote back. And they planned a meeting with her, and they had another meeting with the citizens of Flint, Michigan, where she actually got to meet him in person, you know, involving that that political trip. So it was something where it was um, where the mother had reached out for help through the state and reached out to the federal EPA, and then she reached out to the president, and then he responded by writing for the little girl back and by coming to Flint, Michigan. Mhm. Okay. Um I know you how many pictures do you think you've you've taken of the president? You know, different events. How many events do you think you've I think several hundred thousand. Several hundred wow. or a thousand, I don't know. Wow. And that's amazing that the little girl would stick out. In your mind, you know. Any other? It sits out of mind because um, when he was elected president, his children, you know, they were they weren't little girls, but they were teenagers or adolescents. And now one of them is will be legally an adult when she leaves. The other one will be you know, almost out of high school, you know, and so, like, they've grown up also, like, everything else, and, like, his gray hair, but, like I said, um, children do bring out, you know, the honesty in you, you know, they're sort of like human lie detectors, I mean, uh, they they can tell when you're not genuine, or they can tell when, I don't want to be around you, I don't want to be around you, you know, so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's other photographs um, that come to mind. Some favorite ones, um, of course, when he and Michelle were walking to the White House on the day of inauguration. Do you have any images from that event? I have some of that from the first inauguration and then from the second one. And um, like I said, again, when you see them interacting, interacting, it is where you can tell, like I said, they have a lot of respect for each other, and they genuinely have a lot of love for each other. You know, um, 
you could tell that from any couple, but I mean, when you're always in the public, you know, you can fake it up to so much, but like I said, eventually, you know, the truth comes out. Now, um, can you give the audience a sense of the atmosphere of that day? Did you capture the glee and the bliss from the people that were watching them take that walk? Was that as equally as important as you know, taking their picture as getting a backdrop. I think at at those moments, I mean, the first one was a really, really cold day. It mm-hmm. was it was almost like you had wind and snow, and people have been out there for hours. And as anything, there's a, there's a waiting period, but there's a a security waiting period. So you have to be there. Imagine hours beforehand. Hours mm-hmm. sitting on concrete, you know, mm. coffee being frozen, you know, and you're still out there, but people were waving and happy, you know. The, the first one, you had a, a tremendous military presence because I think people don't want to say this, but they were genuinely scared about everything. You had, you could see helicopters flying in the air. You could see military armaments, people, you know, with guns, with things on the street you know, streets closing. But people were out there and the enthusiasm and the amount of people it you know, it's hard enough to get people out of the scope for anything. But um, they're not giving away anything. You know, there's no sports teams. You're not buying, you know, twenty dollar beer, but you're out there just to see a man being sworn in and walk down the street. You know, that that's always you know, amazing. Mm-hmm. And then the and did you capture the crowds? Bit, I I did. The second time was a little bit warmer, mm-hmm. but it was still cold, and you had still had people in the street, people on the mall, people, you know, cheering. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's something where I've seen presidents get inaugurated, but the enthusiasm on both of his things were is something, you know, beyond just being a minority or person of color, you had you had all all races of people out there. Wow. Now we also have pictures of President Obama crying. Do you remember taking any pictures of him crying? I remember almost at every Everything involving a medal or veteran thing, he's crying, or he has tears. Every time he speaks about, you know, some tragic loss or, you know, whether it's Trayvon Martin or or anything, it is where he's he's an emotional man, but he tries to be controlled emotionally. Uh, mm-hmm. And did you take those pictures with his with tears streaming down his face? You have those photographs? I've never really I've never seen him with multiple tears. I've always seen him where mm-hmm. his eyes would be watery or be wiping away tears because I think he doesn't want to he mm-hmm. doesn't want to be overly emotional, but sometimes you just can't help but be caught up in it. And mm-hmm. like I said, we know a lot of things that that he knows about, but we still don't know 
everything that he knows, everything that he mm-hmm. is going on. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Trayvon Martin. You were at one of the press conferences? I was at one of the press conferences, yeah. Okay, could you give us a little backdrop of the press conference and the mood and the circumstances surrounding that conference? I think the mood was where, like I said, it, it had been something going on. His initial thing was not to con, not to make a comment on it, and it was surprising where he did come into the briefing room and made a comment on it because it was something where later on he made a a, um, a White House speech involving involving that and um, police police violence. But I think probably that was something where. Again, he stepped out because I think the first the first time that he tried or made an attempt to address um, police misconduct or police doing something terribly wrong, it went terribly wrong for him because I think um, Be more politicians... You're safe here. The very first time was the incident. We spoke about this. Um, prior to the show, are you talking about Gates, Henry Skip Gates? Yes, I am. Okay, you know. Remember, this show is a, a show based on um, education. Yes. And we're really trying to, you know, inform people and give them the inside, not just from hearing it from a friend, but from the horse's mouth, per se, and you're not a horse. But, you know, we're trying to get as close to, you know, the sources possible, you know. So let's go back then. Let's go to Henry um, Lewis Skip Gates, that incident. Did you take photographs of that incident as well? No, I did not. Okay, so so you could just give us a backdrop of that story, then we can go back to Trayvon. Okay, that backdrop was where Mr. Gates had, um, he does several programs for PBS and for other networks, and for some reason he went on a trip and forgot his keys, and he was dropped off at his house. He was sitting on his porch. He was thinking about possibly breaking in a window or breaking the glass in front of the door to gain access. But for some reason, someone called the police and said a strange black man was outside the house or something, a police call. The police wound up coming. They wound up arresting him. Um, It became a big thing where the police were saying they were doing their job. He was saying they overreacted. And the president said something that the police acted stupidly or or overstepped their authority, and it became such a political thing where um, it was made into the president should apologize, the police were doing their, their job, and it wound up with a beer summit at the White House, which is really a photo op about nothing, and it really didn't address the issue of racial profiling or police just asking some simple questions rather than overreacting and arresting a black man in front of his house. Mm-hmm. 
So you think because of the black the backlash from the police and the union, the police unions, that he was a little bit hesitant to talk about race relations when it came to Trayvon Martin's death? I think probably the president has been hesitant to, to do a lot of things because he is the first black president. And I think any time there's been any hint of any type of scandal, he has quickly put a put the fire out real quickly. Um, going back to um, Van Jones when he was the the solar and green energy advisor to the president. I think he said something about someone politically, and then you know he, he asked for his resignation, and Van Jones gave it to him. Um, the same with um, Jerry Rogers. Yeah, the same with Desiree Rogers, who was his um, uh, presidential assistant at the White House. Um, she was caught up in a reality TV show and someone with a state house dinner mistake, and rather it becoming a scandal, she was quickly dismissed, and that was the key. So I think he's been overly conscious about not having a scandal, not having something where something can go on for days or or months about nothing, you know, so quickly. If it's even something that can go on for more than a week or more than a day, you can't even be explained, he'll quickly try to, you know, have it where it won't be part of his, his administration. So, mm-hmm. And I think it's overly cautious, but it's something where He's concerned about, I'm the first, even if he doesn't say it, I'm the first black president, and I'm not going to mess it up for the second black president, or the third black president. Mm -hmm. Well, you sound very confident that there will be a second and a third uh, black president. I'd like to be optimistic on that, because I think Mm -hmm. probably um, he's worked hard at being, not being the ang- everything that they they tried to put on him as him being mm-hmm. that not very smart, reading from a teleprompter, an angry black man. Every time they tried to put a label on him, he's disproven that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, with all the unarmed shootings, it seems like a spike. We don't know if it's truly a spike um, or if it's just the media and the uh, social media taking over and exposing uh, these incidents more so than ever. But a lot of black people attribute those shootings and the lack of justice to having a black president, not just him, but, you know, some sort of retaliation for having a black president. Some feel that maybe... um, these shootings come in retaliation or resentment. Um, what do you feel about that, you know, from what you've been I, covering and taking photographs? I think it is. I think you've always had a degree of of, of white uh, privilege and white um, concern about black and brown people taking over. I think with him becoming president, given voice to a lot of that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think people have taken 
you know, more liberty of things. I, I mean, the the thought of someone going to a public rally or a public uh, political demonstration saying, I need to carry my gun, you know, that was something where I think you, you could probably attribute to the election of a black president. But I think there's always been a thing with authoritarian and police shooting. The thing is, we haven't documented it before. I think mm-hmm. probably with um, social media, it gets more attention because now you know with television and radio and with the Internet, you know what's going on in a small town in Iowa as quickly as you know about something that's going on, you know, in Manhattan, you know, or or something going on in L.A., you'll know about it in, you know, Indonesia, you know, as quickly as anything. And that, that's probably because of the Internet and because of just our technological age. But mm-hmm. I don't think he, everything can't be blamed. It's Obama. You know, I think that's mm-hmm. probably a misnomer. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, when you talk about technology, how has how long have you been in this business, and how has the technology affected your day to day duties and operation as a photographer? Oh, I've been in this business for about thirty years, and I think technology has made it faster because I remember film days and developing film or handing off film, you know, the people, you know, were um, at events and you'd have runners, you know, taking the film back to places. You know, now you just have a, you know, it's like like DJs and crates with albums, you know. Now you just have a laptop and a camera. You know, they're both computers and you can transfer them in, in minutes, you know. DJs don't need a van anymore. They just carry a laptop and a suitcase, mm-hmm. and they're good. Do you find that your assignments are more demanding, that you have to be on location much faster than back prior to cell phones and social media? You know, now I things are happening so quickly. You know, I, I would assume that you would have maybe a week or a few days to prepare for an assignment, but now you're probably down to a few hours before someone says, this is a hot story, we need you on it. Am I right or wrong? It is to a certain extent, but some things are already planned, you know, like mm-hmm. like certain things around the president, you're planned. You get a, right now, you have a week, you have a daily guidance and emails that's going out to people you know, where the Secretary of State is, where President is, where Vice President is, where the First Lady is going to be. People already have that for beginning now to Tuesday. They know where they're going to be, certain things. Now, the schedules may change on that. And just like certain events, you know, you know the Super Bowl is going to be here and there, so you hurried up and wait, you know. But mm-hmm. things have happened instantly or for certain things, um, they're going to happen. You have to respond to them. What I do find strange is a lot of times media people have, because they're invited things, they have more restrictions on them, and then people with a cell phone, you know, do not have those restrictions. Like, say, maybe um, I'll be at a 
concert or a press briefing, and we say they're only available for 10 minutes. But if someone is still in there and they're beyond the 10 minutes, they're in their cell phone, if someone doesn't stop them, they're still doing whatever they want to do. So that's probably something where people are concerned about it, but but there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. So you're saying the media people, the non-professionals, they sometimes get some sort of benefits or something. I think they, I think they don't realize that they have mm-hmm. an, an extra access, and then at some point you don't really know what to do with it because some people let me get a selfie of somebody, and they're probably missing something else that another journalist or someone looking for something might might do, or they're probably asking where'd you get your shoes, and someone else will be asking another question that probably has more important to it. Oh, okay. I got you. Now, um, pictures of the president at historical sites, do you have any of those in mind that you like to talk about? I think I have some with him at uh, the Lincoln Memorial with um, the Clintons and with um, Jimmy Carter. Um, I have some with him with the at a National Action Action Network event. Um, mm-hmm. I can't recall all of them. Like that is okay. And what about the the museum? I know you said you're going to go down there for the second time. Uh, let's talk about the museum, and I'll let you describe the museum from your personal experience and from a photographer's experience. And if you know anything about the president. Um, I was was at the opening. Um, Again, that was, again, a tremendous thing. It was a week-long event thing. I think you probably had too many things going on that previous week because you had the Congressional Black Caucus there. You had a followed by a week-long of dedication events um, and concerts, which were on the mall, you know, extending from the Lincoln Memorial to the Washington Memorial to the museum, which is, you know, like a block away from the Washington Memorial. You know, the concerts, the people that were coming there, the people who couldn't get there. It was, it was both uh, political and Hollywood and musicians. They had things at the White House. Um, they're still. Going Could you on, explain the museum? You know, because remember, I have 500 interviews, and um, we don't know when someone's going to listen to this, maybe five years from now or maybe five minutes. So if you can just explain the museum, uh, the the name of the museum. It is the Smithsonian American, African-American History and Cultural... It is Not. a long title, yes, long mm-hmm. title, but it was a eight, nine-story building. It has a theater in it. It has exhibits, which will be rotating. It has permanent exhibits. It has a tremendous outside and indoor theater. Um, it is um, 
the outside of the structure, um, depending on who you talk to, it's an inverted pyramid or it's a uh, slave ship um, replica. The architect uh, wants you to see what you want to see into it. It is a very unique looking building. The facade, um, you, if you aren't planning on going there, you should plan on going there at some time. It is probably one of the better exhibits or outlier things from the Smithsonian. I, they do a great job with all their museums, but I'm partial with, with this one, I guess, because I relate to it more. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you have any photographs of the president? Because he was, of course, part of inauguration and living cutting ceremony. I do, and um, I have some of him speaking. And I like that they had, um, again, the White House ceremony had a lot of uh, historical, like you said, um, family members that were connected to it. I like that they brought in um, the Rice family. And the who's the family? family. Um, Johnson, I mean, um, Johnson, uh, uni- um, Ebony Publishers, daughter. Oh, okay. And they brought in her uh, BET family where they want to involve or have all of modern or close to modern day history that people can relate to because. Um, the images, um, part of the JET archives, are on display at, at, the, at the museum. Part of uh, BT's archive uh, from Soul Train and other things are at the museum. And when they had the presentation or official opening, they had so many people involved with it. The previous, the previous concert night, but the, the main inauguration day where they had them, and it was where... They couldn't get or had to shorten it because of time constraints, and it would have been an all-day thing, but they had the Howard Band, Patti LaBelle, Will Smith, Oprah. Um, it was, like I said, a tremendous event. Mm-hmm. And you're going back soon. I'll be going back on Election Day. Okay. November 8th. November 8th. Do you have any pictures of the president looking at any of these exhibits at the museum? Um, no, I, I don't have any inside because that day I was mostly outside. Okay. Um, he did. He got a private tour, but it was mm-hmm. something where he didn't. It was more or less a cursory thing where he just walked around and walked out. I'm sure he's going to get a more extensive tour at some point, but Mm -hmm. I wasn't available or wasn't privy to that. Okay. Now you say election day. You're going to go back to the museum. Uh, What is your assignment on election day, if you can disclose it? Um, My assignment is probably just election coverage. I'll be at the White House for a couple hours, and then I'll be at the museum and then around the Washington, D.C. area covering 
collection is in. Is the museum a part of your assignment, or is this something you're doing on your own? It's part of my assignment. Okay. Okay. And um, what, which um, display or artifact did you enjoy or you thought was the most profound and you took many pictures of any? I think probably the the sculptures in there. They have a lot of things revolving around Africa, but they have a uh-huh. I think probably the sculptures and the the cabin there. I think people people talk about history but actually seeing it it is it is close to a genuine replica and I think people if they haven't been to real country or real scene really seeing hardship they'll think how could people live like this but probably people who live affluently probably would think the same way about people who live less than they do at this point. So it was something where you don't realize how far we've come as a people until you see where we were. You know. Mm, beautifully said. Okay. Um, I'm looking at some of the the images I've shared on my Facebook page throughout the years, and um, some of my favorite is he is the first sitting president to visit a prison. Did you capture any mm-hmm. photographs of him visiting inmates or any prisons? No I, no, I did not. That was something where it was closed and they had a pool photographer because they were concerned about his safety and about media people's safety. And mm-hmm. so even then, the pool photographers that travel on the plane were limited, and it was something where they all knew about it, and you could get the pool, pool thing, but that again, mm-hmm. that's something where I think he's not given enough credit or enough, um, he's probably not given enough attention to what he's tried to do with uh, inmates that are incarcerated now, and inmates that were incarcerated, you know, with extensive sentences involving drug things and cocaine. I mean, people, even now, it probably gets cursory attention with the amount mm-hmm. of people that have commuted their sentences or expunged their sentences. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned his, uh, he cried for the veterans. Um, is there any pictures? That he, you know, one of my favorite pictures, and he wasn't the president at the time, was this memorial that was made by a veteran's mother, a deceased veteran's mom. She got together and she asked other uh, mothers who lost their sons in the war to share their son's boots. And she set up this memorial with the boots of all the dead soldiers from Bush's war. I thought that was very, very powerful. Is there anything um, similar to that type of memorial for veterans or images um, that were taken during his presidency? I think um, there's some 
were on Veterans Day and holidays were I think one Veterans Day where it was it wasn't raining heavily, but it was mm-hmm. raining and he was um positioning a wreath at the at the uh, Veterans Memorial mm-hmm. for the two unknown soldier. And things like that, um they're powerful and I think mm-hmm. it gets lost in people who Memorials get get lost in people who haven't served or haven't lost anyone in a war. Mm-hmm. Sort of like people now, unless you have a, a daughter or a son or a father or mother who's a soldier who's actually in a combat zone, people will hardly remember that we're at war, you know, and it'll be cursory of people talking about we need to rebuild their army. Um, when they talk about rebuilding the army, they're not talking about a draft and making everyone pay a price for being in the army or doing something to help soldiers. They're talking about usually another military contract to build another plane or or faster shooting gun or something like that. And, and it's something where when you think about people have actually paid the price of their life for freedom or for something greater than you, and um, sometimes it gets trivialized by people or or politicians seeking election. It's it coming back home when you when you see someone really trying to pay honor to someone who has made that sacrifice. Okay, I got a few more questions. Do you mind? Um, I don't mind. Okay, great. Um. I want to talk about his brother's keepers program. His initiative was the STEM, you know, science, and his trips to Hawaii and Kenya. Those are four additional areas. So we can start with Kenya. And recently um, the candidate, the uh, GOP candidate, Donald um, Trump, he he uh, invited his stepbrother to Hillary's last debate. And if you can share that story with the audience about the relationship between the president and his stepbrother, half-brother, right? Um, yes, his half-brother. Um, they share a father. Mm-hmm. His father had multiple mm-hmm. children. This is one of them where um, the president met his half-brother when he was a a congressman, and it was part of his book. You know, um, my father, I can't remember the title, but it involved his father and meeting him and, mm-hmm. and him connecting with his African heritage and with his American heritage. His current mm-hmm. half-brother is still in uh, Kenya. Um, what the... Republican candidate did was invite his brother, making it would be uh, a vocal point or a flashpoint to get um, Obama angry because Obama has, uh, the president has found a way to humiliate the GOP candidate, you know, since um, he has previously stating he's going to run in 2012 and at a White House Correspondents Center where he um, called him out involving his television show and how 
ridiculous it was that he was saying that he was not an American citizen. Um, mm-hmm. So he thought it would be clever or cute to invite his brother since he's running for president this time. And he had, I guess, after months or years of claiming he's not, you know, a U.S. citizen, that he's a citizen of Kenya, to invite his half-brother to a presidential debate, or the last one involving Hillary Clinton, because his brother has said that he would, if he could, he would vote for Donald Trump, but what the Republicans and, and Trump didn't realize that his brother is also somehow remotely collect, connected to a terrorist funding group, which they no one has hardly publicized or or didn't want to bring attention to. So as quickly as people knew about it and they started talking about it on the major network, um, television and radio people started speaking less of it and more about, oh, he's invited another one of Bill Clinton's um, accusers or mistresses instead of focusing on why did he invite his brother and his questionable current mm-hmm. history. So it was something where it was quickly where there were probably limited pictures of him. They didn't want mm-hmm. to have show anyone with a GOP picture with him. Um, it was where it was almost like he was there, it wasn't there, and he was quickly rushed out. It wasn't a big press conference like him and the women. It was something where it was an impulse thing, and then they thought about it and knew the history, and they thought, well, we can't really do this, and then they backed out of it. So something uh-huh. where, where it was something where they thought they'd get quick attention, and and it turned out to be something that they wanted to run away from. Wow, that's right on. Okay, um, do you have any pictures of Obama with his family, um, you know, his bloodline, his grandma, and of course, his mother died before he was elected. Grandmother just I, killed him. Mm-hmm. I have one picture of him with his mother, which is really it's like a side picture where they're in the head. I wish I did have more pictures of him and his mother, which passed away. Um, I have a couple of pictures of him with his mother-in-law. Um, mm-hmm. But... I said probably there will be probably a lot more because I can see him becoming not quite like Bill Clinton and his foundation, but more becoming a person on the par with Jimmy Carter where his will be like where he is genuinely more involved with my brother's keeper and actually mm-hmm. doing something involving education or, you know, helping neighborhoods become better you know, being more involved with um, justice reform and things like that. Because that Could you is talk about I'm, My Brother's Keeper? It's a, it's a program started by the president, which gets limited and limited funding, similar to church groups, because church mm-hmm. groups get a lot of funding from Congress and things like that, where a certain amount of money appropriated through the White House budget and congressional budget goes to community groups, uh, whether it's um, to promote um, mentorship, 
um, of black youth, you know, of black families. It, um, I think it's probably now reaching out to more with with black girls, but it started off mm-hmm. as being something directed at at black black youth or black teenagers. But it has expanded a little bit, where they're trying to to solve problems before it become major problems with uh, black youth. Now, do you have any pictures of him? Because I know there's a picture of him with a bunch of young black men, well-dressed black men. Do you have any photographs of him? I have some pictures at a press conference involving uh, my brother's keeper. And then in the New Jersey and New York area and the Philadelphia area, they have large chapters along with um, the Washington, D.C. area. And I'm certain they will expand more as more church become more involved with it. Mm-hmm. Because it's something like people are aware of it, but they aren't aware of how they can apply for funding or how they can get uh, things. And it's sort of like um, it's something where I think they ought to promote it more to get more information mm-hmm. out because it is a good program. Okay. And the last question, uh, I, I don't know if you know, we've been on the phone for an hour already. Uh, Hawaii. Do you have Hawaii. any uh, photographs? You know, he's from Hawaii. Um, do you have any photographs of him in Hawaii or anything associated with his Hawaiian roots? I have some pictures of him in T-shirts and without shirts. Um I know it's going to hurt a lot of ladies' feelings, but the president is not that – he is not an out-of-shape man, but he's not a tremendously muscular man. So, um, <laughs> But he is a very – He's going to love you for that. Yes. But it won't stop women from from falling in love with him. I, I think that's something that uh, that people are and just proud of. And these pictures are in Hawaii? Perfect. Yes, I do, from the beach. Wow. So you sound like you have a great job. So you were able to travel to Hawaii, take pictures of the, of the president. Um, yes. Sometimes, like I said, beyond just the president, I think I am blessed to do what I do. Sometimes I take it for granted. But mm-hmm. then, like I said, just being there, I know that every time that I go there, I know that there are only a few people that do what I do. And it's only a few people that do, that have contact in the White House. I have tremendous respect for um, April Ryan, who works for Urban Radio Network, Um, all the television and radio people um, that are there continuously. um, Because just like anything else, it is, uh, invitation only business, a seniority business, a business where um, even if you get there, even if you get the worst of the worst, you have to have some talent or some ability. So I do have a lot of respect for a lot of people that, that do what they do, and and I appreciate what I do, you know, uh, because everyone doesn't doesn't have the access or can or doesn't have the opportunity. To do what I do, and that's what everything is: is having an opportunity, being ready for the opportunity, and being competent 
when you get that opportunity because sometimes, particularly being a minority, you don't get a second chance to feel. You get one chance to feel. Mm-hmm. Well, this has has been a wonderful, wonderful interview. Very insightful. I feel uh, tremendously honored that I was able to talk to you about these photographs. Um, you can download and share this interview um, from blackhistoryuniversity.com and, again, from Blog Talk Radio slash The Gist of Freedom. And the, uh, I would like for you to end this show with um, your information, again, your contact information, and if you have anything else you want to share, please do so. Um, Wesley, I have a tremendous respect for you, and I thank you for giving me this invitation, this opportunity also. Um, my, I have a Facebook page. Uh, my telephone number is 305-378-1719. I am never too busy for anyone. I don't think any job is too small, any assignment is too little. Um, my business is Perception Photography, Perception Media, and I thank you for giving me this voice and allowing me to be a part of your program. Wonderful, and hopefully we will be talking about Hillary within the next six months. So have a great week. I'm hoping we'll that's all. All righty. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye, Bill. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.